Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. A lot of developers are self-employed. And while many are happy, there are some pitfalls to the process that can trip up the unwary. From taxes to interpersonal relationships, being self-employed will teach you a lot of things. But you really don't want to learn some of those the hard way. In this episode, we're going to discuss some of the downsides of being self-employed. Hopefully, these will help you prepare if you are considering working for yourself. But before we get started, Will, what have you been unwary of this week? Uh, Timing, especially stuff going to QA. So we've only got one QA on our team right now because the other one is covering for somebody who's no longer there on another team. And he's pretty sharp, so it's unlikely we'll ever get him back. Um, (laughs) That's how I feel about it. But yeah, so I'm the scrum master for the team and the senior most developer and whatever. And so I'm supposed to try to kind of modulate the workflow as it happens. Well, somehow late last week, I screwed up. And we had three stories, including two fairly gnarly ones, hit the QA at the same time. And we are still trying to recover from that because like the QA resource is absolutely swamped. Our test environments are swamped. Like we don't have enough for work that's come in since then. And we're it's a little bit difficult. And I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly where the fallop was. I don't know if it was estimation or if it was like I didn't know how close certain things were. But yeah, everything's hit him all at once and he's absolutely buried. I'm going to try to figure out what to do about that and how to not do this in the future. So that's what I've been dealing with this week. How about you? I have been fighting with the SQL and in-hibernate errors this past week. Some really weird ones. Have you ever heard of an error could not dehydrate the object? Mm Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that, and no one on my team had ever heard of that. And one of the other lead developers hadn't heard of it. I hadn't asked the other one because I finally figured it out. It's where it writes it out to a stream, basically, to pitch it over the wire, right? So there's something that was not serializable in the object? Yeah, yeah. It had to do with uh, not code that I wrote, but basically converting an integer to a string for the view model. And it was... Casting it going out, but they had not had to have it coming back in. And so when my code came in and said, hey, we need to like store this now. Works like you think. Yeah, exactly. The other one, it was a weird error, but the the actual issue was a typo in the synonym. But uh, the error just did not make any sense. I'm like, but it's saying that it didn't exist. I'm like, but the synonym's there. And so I look it up and it said, oh, just drop and recreate. So I did that three times. I even manually typed it in one time. So like I used the scripts and didn't work. Manually typed it in, didn't work. There's a typo in the script. And I apparently made the exact same typo typing in manually. (laughs) (laughs) So it took me 
a hot minute to figure that out. I actually reached out to our most senior lead developer. I was like, hey, man, have you ever seen this error? Because I've been working on it for about an hour. I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. Everything I've done, nothing is working. I'm going to reach out to someone. Because I tell my team, hey, if you're working on something for an hour and you're getting nowhere with it, reach out. And so I'm like, all right, I went up and I reached out to him. I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, about 10.20, maybe 10.30. I figured it out and I sent him a message. And I was like, hey, never mind. It was a typo. This is what happened. Because he has worked in, in this database before too. So I'm like, all right, I, I'm reaching out to him because he'll he'll probably know what's up. And uh, yeah, it was funny because he, he wrote back. He was like, I was literally about to call you. I was on a call with someone else or I would have called sooner. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. Thank you very much. But it was frustrating. It, it's It's been a frustrating week. That might be a good place to actually use uh, some lightweight code generation. Something that goes out to the database and gets all the names of all the synonyms and all the tables and like, brings those into an object. Yeah. Oh, well, so this was actually on the database. A synonym on the database was typoed. Okay. But I mean, then it would like, you would still have a compiler, right? When you came back versus it being a string constant. I'm assuming like you're using like uh, Fluent in Hibernate mapping? By code, but yeah, it's basically Fluent. It's just not the Fluent. Yeah, well, this wasn't the the second issue. The synonym issue was not within Hibernate. That was with the on the database. The first issue was with in Hibernate. That was a separate issue that had to do with the mapping. The auto mapper actually was causing the issue of all things. So yeah, it was just an interesting week working on this stuff and trying to figure it out. But I, I finally got it resolved. Like it's actually some pretty complex business logic too that we're adding. And so it's like I had to break the story down already. I'm like, this is giving me a headache. But I took breaks, I hopped up, I played some music and helped me refocus. And that honestly, dude, I wish I had like really put the effort into learn music when I was younger because no joke, that has been like the best thing for me. Since I, I've learned to play, I can hop up and play a song or two and it just really refocuses me. Good grief. We're we're doing a double episode tonight and I've played a song like during our break just to help me like clean out my head and jump into a new episode. Saving money is hard, especially when you have no idea how to do your finances because you work for yourself and you don't have anyone else to do that for you. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado, so he can actually help you with these kind of things. Yeah. Just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but Take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can actually improve your finances with those services. And with the help of Level Up, there's a compounding impact of making better financial decisions that will pay for itself. Now, Level Up has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So if you are just starting out, in your career, Lucas has a plan for you. If you've been at this for quite a while and you're going, man, I really wish I'd been saving up for retirement a decade ago, Lucas has a plan for you. Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients. And what this means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. So he's not trying to get you on the hook for something expensive. No. 
Guys, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their careers. You can also learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. You can make a lot more money as a self-employed software developer. It can really help you build a better life where you pick the kind of work you do, the kind of people you work with, and you can even set the hours you want. While all of this is true and is basically said endlessly to developers by various shysters on the internet, there are downsides to being self-employed. Mm-hmm. None of them are things that should make you completely avoid self-employment, but there are things that you need to consider if you're thinking about becoming your own boss. If you don't, you're going to have to think about them anyway because you're about to get some unpleasant surprises. You're going to have a bad time. (laughs) We've both been self-employed at different points in our careers. While the experiences include some of the best of our careers, they also include some of the most boring, tedious, frustrating, and frankly, enraging experiences of our lives. There's a lot of stuff about self-employment that most people don't realize or may think that really isn't a big deal. This is the stuff that gets you, whether it's dealing with the obscene amount of paperwork that insurance companies require for you to have liability insurance, the way taxes work, cash flow management, or simply the sudden shift in your social dynamics. Becoming self-employed is not a small change in your lifestyle. In fact, it can be fairly drastic, and if you're not well-prepared, can absolutely destroy your ability to make a living. Yeah, I mean, I know people who've you know gone, become self-employed and not been prepared and gotten basically massively into debt, and they lose everything. I mean, I've got a good friend who I think the massive tax bill that he accrued like 15 years ago is about to be forgiven by the IRS after all that time because he can never pay it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, granted, he got into real estate and nailed himself with that, but it can still be done in software dev. It's done differently (laughs) here. And in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the downsides of self-employment that we both learned while being self-employed. If you ever dream of being your own boss, this shouldn't put you off of your ambition. Rather, it should inspire you to do as much as you can to mitigate these issues when you do get out on your own. All these problems can be overcome. In fact, if you do overcome them, they become strengths. But that is provided that you know what is coming and you prepare for it. Exactly. So first off, you have to pay for your own benefits. Regular jobs often come with things like insurance, paying various fees, trainings, Sometimes if you have, depending on like what you're doing, licensing fees and things like that and other benefits like parking in dense metropolitan areas. If you are self-employed, you'll be paying these yourself. Yeah. Parking. Hmm. Yeah. And you don't know what they cost more than likely if the company's picking it up. And that's the thing that really, one of the things that really gets you right is because you just, if the average American knew what the amount of money was being spent on their insurance, there would probably be a revolution tomorrow. It's absolutely horrendous from a business owner's perspective. It's not that the business owner doesn't want to pay it. It's like literally it makes some businesses completely untenable that were fine 10 years ago. 
And it's not just the cost of the benefits that gets you, even though that does get you pretty bad. It's also the time required for all the paperwork and the other nonsense that distracts you from real money-making work. Like you've got to provide documentation on these things. You got to go, okay, I wrote a policy on how in my company I handle credentials for source code management provider, you know, whatever. And it's like, dude, I'm a redneck sitting in a basement typing on my personal computer. The credentials are, they're stored safely. Like it's not a policy thing, but you'll have to have those conversations sometimes. And it's a complete waste. But, you know, if you're a single a sole proprietor, a lot of things are not built for you, but you're still expected to conform to them. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that just like when you're a sole proprietor or even just like a partnership too. Yeah. If you're working with one other person, then, you know, it can be a pain. It's like, hey, this doesn't even make sense for what we're doing. But no. Yeah. Also, you are going to be shocked at what some things cost, especially things like insurance. Yeah, if you have a high risk group or you're you're in something like that, you're no longer in that group of insured people who are healthier than you. It, it puts you in this and it just it's a pain, even with the marketplace and whatnot that they have. It, it's still like very expensive. My brother in law ran into this when they changed up all the insurance stuff a few years ago because he's basically self-employed. And oh, yeah, it was a pain. Yeah. And I mean, it, it really gets expensive. And the thing about it is if you don't do things right, that's even more expensive because the system is set up to extract money and mm -hmm. time and effort and everything else. Cause there's just a lot of parasites in our society, frankly, that make these rules. Speaking of parasites, the other thing you're going to learn very quickly is that taxes get very different, very complicated, and there's more paperwork. So it's not just, you know, in the U S you've got your, like your social security deductions and all that, the stuff that your employer matches, you're doing mm -hmm. that now. But it's also stuff like just tracking where you spent money, how you spent money, what what you can deduct, what you can't. Some of those laws are just bonkers. Um, I know with the stuff my dad deals with, the oil distributorship, for instance, he was talking about some of the laws that are around you know what gets taxed. So for instance, if I have a chain on a logging truck, right, that gets taxed, I think, if it's used on the interstate, but doesn't get taxed if it's used just in the logging camp area. But it also doesn't get taxed if it's used to replace one that broke on the interstate. There's there's rules like that where you're like, who thought this up? <laughs> and, and most of these were not like they sat and thought them all up at once. It was they slowly like were added to to the point that they make no sense now. But at the time, they made sense. Yeah, yeah. Business taxes can get complex very fast, especially if you're doing things like outsourcing work, hiring employees, or you have a big number of expenses for various reasons. Yeah, like travel expenses. Oh, what were you doing? You were in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> you know, it, is it Fargo, North Dakota or South? I forget which which one it is. You're in Fargo in February. Obviously, you were there for pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but you got to like talk to, you know, some weenie with thick glasses, you know, that's going to go, yeah, you were. It's not a business expense. And like you're, you're going to have those kind of conversations all the time. Mm -hmm. Software is typically a high profit margin industry, but that doesn't mean that you won't find that taxes or issues with taxes end up destroying your business. 
this is one of the reasons, by the way, that I am no longer self-employed. I'll probably go back to it at some point is because I could not accurately predict what my tax was going to be. And the U.S. tax system is pretty screwed up. And so you're sitting there and you're like, okay, what's my tax bill? And you find out that, oh, I've got to pay $13,000. And I have $16,000 in the account. And it's like, oh, well, you got enough. It's like, yeah, but I'm not getting paid on this current job for another month. So can I make it on three grand in the interim so that Uncle Sam can spend $30,000 on a toilet seat? It like that sort of stuff will really get to you in a way that it probably doesn't with your personal income taxes because you're not like the cash flow aspect is probably not hitting you as hard. It's really, really hard to estimate and it, it tends to hit at a time that is very inopportune and makes it where other opportunities go away. It's not just about the money, it's the opportunity cost. Yeah, you really have to plan ahead when it, it comes to preparing for this, like your your business cash flow, what that's going to be like. Because like you said, even legit, like solid businesses can go under because they just don't have enough money to pay the taxes or they may have enough money to pay the taxes, but then they can't pay the other expenses that they have. Yeah. Like wages or like there's an insurance payment due or there's, you know, some other regulatory compliance thing, or it's like, Hey, we could expand the business, but we don't have the cash flow, So I got to get a loan. And now, you know, I got to service that loan and things get really complex there. And, you know, and I know there's a lot of people that don't want to have any sympathy for businesses, but like, there's a reason you get paid more and this stuff is it. Like, it's not that you're doing more difficult work. It's that you're putting up with this crap. So then the next one, you have to worry about marketing because you are most likely selling your services to multiple clients with your work being focused around specific projects. You'll need to be constantly looking for more work. Even while you're still working on one project, you are looking for the next project to work on. Yeah, you got to learn to stuff that pipeline before you're out of a job because otherwise you may be sitting there for two months with nothing. That is a very, very unpleasant learning experience. I definitely learned how to cook ramen the first time I went through that one. And that's one of the reasons I don't eat it. <sighs> uh, it tastes like being broke. The thing is, is this also means that if a client is forcing you into a death march, You'll be like, oh, I'm working a bunch of extra hours. I'm getting a bunch of extra money, hopefully, right? You really need to have an overtime rate because they're not only burning you up with you know, your potential burnout and your health, all the problems that come out of that, but they're also chewing up the time you need to fill the pipe for the next job. And there are clients that will do that and they'll be really abusive on this kind of stuff. And then they cut you loose and you're sitting there going, well, I've made more money, but I don't have enough to cover me until I can land something else. So you, you, you've got to, make sure that there's stuff in there to keep that from happening. Yeah. And this next one isn't one that uh, really affects me that much because I'm really good at it. Uh, That's bragging. I really enjoy it is what I should say. You're really good at bragging. I agree. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You will have to spend significantly more effort on networking than you do in your regular day job. Like I said, this is something that I really enjoy. So I've gotten good at it because I enjoy networking. I enjoy talking to people. I like getting to know people. What it means, though, is you got to be outgoing. Yeah, and you got to network with a purpose, too, right? Like, there's a lot of people that think, okay, I'm networking. I'm going to this small business owner's meetup. I, like, I went to one, right? And all these people are people that are starting out selling insurance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm offering six-figure services building web apps. Like, none of these people can help me. 
right? Like right. if I kept going to that, I could say, oh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of networking. It's like you're, you're doing dumb networking. That's not going to help you. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to be smart about it. And it's again, for me, I'm naturally outgoing. So yeah. So you could do that one and then do another different one and be fine. Whereas for me, it's like that first one's going to cook me and I'm not going to be able to do another one. Well, the thing is, even if you're introverted, you still have yeah. to be outgoing. Like when we were in college, you were shy and introverted and you've gotten more outgoing. I think it is a big part due to having to network, having to be outgoing to get business. Like having thousands of people hear your voice on a podcast and you say dumb stuff and you never get called on it. Like you realize just how rarely that actually happens. And you realize that there's really not anything to be afraid of. And this is going to kind of be like that. It's going to feel very, very similar to that. It's a very good simulation of what it's like to have a podcast is go and network with people because you're going to realize that the social stuff, like unless you're weird, like legit weird, you're probably okay. Another thing that for whatever reason trips people up is that days off are days without pay. You know, when you have a regular salary job and you use your paid time off or there's a national holiday, it doesn't hit your cash flow. So like a great time to talk about this is like say December, late December, you know, when you got Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, New Year's Eve, plus whatever other stuff is going on around there where people take off. As a business owner, if you do that, you don't make the cash flow, at least if your billing model is hourly, which most people is, you know, most, most people do that as a starting point. I just said most people is, that's not grammatically correct. Sorry. It'd be what it'd be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we have some contractors where I work and they've talked about that and the people who most people understand, but there are some people who are like, you know, why would you want to work whenever everybody's got the day off? like, yeah, but I don't like being broke. He's not getting paid for that day. We are. And having done that, it, you know, it makes sense. I'm like, oh, dude, I totally get it. And I'm not going to complain if you want to work on the day that I'm taking off. I'm going to be hanging out doing stuff. I don't know. I think I went and rode my motorcycle that day. I don't remember. But, you know, like I'm going to be going doing some fun stuff. But if you want to work and you know, like if management lets you do it, man. Yeah. Well, and this also gets you when you're sick too, right? So like, a lot of people, their formula for here's how much I should pay, I should charge hourly. They go, oh, here's my salary. I'm going to divide that by 2000 This is how much my hourly rate is. It's like, well, yeah, but you're also, you got two weeks of vacation in there when you do that. You have whatever national holidays are going on. You have all your insurance, all your other stuff. Like your hourly rate is substantially higher than you think it is. Yeah, um, I do like one of the things they do where I work is uh, we can log in and look at, hey, you know, here's what you're getting paid, but here is what it costs. Yeah, total compensation, real compensation. Yeah, and it's like, oh, wow, that's a lot more than I'm getting paid. Like, a significant amount more. I'm like, wow. The first time I looked at it, uh, now I'm like, it makes sense, but yeah. The thing is, like, you you really do have to charge more and plan ahead with this. Next, you will have some degree of inconsistency in your income. That's a given. There will be times that you don't have work, and there will be times where you end up working for less than you should be making or for fewer hours. I mean, we've had this doing just some stuff on the side where that happens. Clients sometimes flake and don't have as much work as they think they do. 
they're poorly prepared and can't get back to you quickly when you're just sitting there waiting on them. Yeah. Um, so I had this happen to me three years ago, a little bit more than that, where I was doing consulting work, had a really high rate. It was great, but the client was not prepared. And so when I would ask questions, it would take forever to get an answer. I mean, there were times I would get something done and get it up to a point and I couldn't get any further. And I'd ask a question and four days later, I'd get an answer. And I couldn't bill for those four days. Now, the other thing I do is I say, hey, there's a minimum. So if I'm working that day, I'm billing for four hours at a minimum. So if you're not prepared and you get screwed out of three and a half hours of work and you have to pay me for it, that's just on you. You don't get to occupy a whole day and then pay me for 15 minutes. Yeah. No, that you kind of have to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it, it increases the, like it improves the quality of the clients. And most of the time, if they've got you doing something, it's something that's valuable enough that it's, it's okay. But you really, really have to watch this because that bump up and down on the income, there's a lot of people that, that burn every bit of cash that they have mm-hmm. every time. I mean, you and I have friends like that are or former friends, I guess, not really close friends anymore. But I mean, I've, I've known people that have a six-figure income right now and they live in a tiny house in a place that is a low-cost location and they're broke all the time. You know, the last week of the month, they're eating canned Campbell's soup every day at their desk because they're broke. And if you're doing that, you cannot start a business for yourself because the first little dip in income is going to nail you. Yeah. And that'll be it. You're also going to find that you're going to be between jobs at different points. I mean, even if you're really good at setting up that pipeline while you're working, you're still going to have times where you're just not going to be working. You'll want to make sure that you have that extra money around for those times. If you aren't charging enough, you'll have to make that extra money by being overworked at some point. Yeah. And by the way, when you're overworked to cover the time that you don't have enough money coming in, both of those times are stressful. You don't want to do that. You want to overcharge and then not have either of those problems. You want to overcharge. And then if if they have to negotiate with you to come down, then you've got room for that. Well, and you can also go, okay, well, it starts at this time. It ends at this time. Then you have leverage points. What you don't want to do is like, is tell them your current rate and then get talked under that. Because there's a lot of them that'll do that. Now, we talked about stress. You're going to have a lot more stress, not just a little. And it's going to be for a while, uh, especially as you're starting up. The early bits of self-employment are exhilarating. You've got your own thing. You're like, okay, I'm not working for the man anymore, right? I'm sitting at home doing my thing. I got my clients. That fades really, really quick. Even though you felt like you had control over your life, this is really, really short-lived. And when you have control over everything, that means everything is your problem. And you're going to realize that in spades. Not only is there often a steep learning curve on everything from accounting to law to marketing to taxes, but even the regular work is more stressful. Expectations on new consultants are honestly often a lot higher than what they put on new employees. Right. Because a new employee, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to onboard you and, you know, I'm going to love him and hug him and name him Steve, right? Like your new pet. Whereas if you're a consultant, you're a hired gun and they expect you to come in and be able to fix something right then. Even if they've completely made that impossible in a lot of cases. You got to be able to come in and like hit the ground running and show your value 
in the first few days. You know, I did a very, very short stint at one company here in town that had had consultants come out to try to fix their system repeatedly. I went in there and the lady was very frustrated with consultants, which after she told me what was going on later, I was like, okay, I get it now. But the first day, you know, she was like, yeah, here's the five things I'd like you to fix. Here's the code. Here's where you check out the code. Go get it. And so I I had those things fixed by 10 o'clock that morning. It wasn't bad, but the previous consultants couldn't do it in two weeks. And she didn't, I didn't know that until that point. And so I go in her office and she's like, oh, you got a question? I said, oh, well, I, I got these five things done, you know, and I can show you, I just want to show you where, where, where things stand. And she goes, well, you got them done? It's like, yeah, if you got, I need something, I need something to do next. And she like opens her drawer and, and hands me 50 cents. And she goes, go get a Coke. I've got to figure this out because they could not deliver in a reasonable amount of time. And when I did deliver, she didn't know what to do because she just thought, okay, they just all, they just all suck. And apparently those previous guys really did. Cause I had to clean up some other things that they did. Uh, it was, it was pretty bad, but you know, that was a contract that got extended a few times. And the reason it got extended is I came in there and first day I took a target and took it out. And you've got to be able to do that. If you cannot do that, you can't meet that kind of expectation. This thing is not for you. Uh, there may be something else that will work for you, but like doing consulting software development, probably not. No, until you're used to the rhythm of getting work, completing work, billing, getting paid, you're going to be stressed by being self-employed. As your network expands, your reputation improves, this is going to get better, but it's a process. And it's not, I worked this week, I get paid at the end of the week, always. I get paid maybe in a month or I get paid when the project is done. That's another fun thing. Or I got paid half up front and I need to get the project done so that I get the other half. Yeah. And, and depending on how you have things structured, that could be how it happens, right? Like, um, and that may be a way that you get paid a higher rate too. And there's so much like little stupid stuff in there that will stress you out. You know, we talked in a previous episode about reducing the number of decisions you have to make at one point. Do you remember the first time you had to invoice somebody for something? Yes. Yes, I do. And you're like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And you like, you always, everybody asks somebody that's been doing it for a while. Because they're like, how do I make an invoice? Like, what, do I do that in Excel? Like, do I do it in Publisher? What, what do I do with this? And, and everybody is completely lost the first time they have to do that. And that's just printing a small document. But you want to be professional. And I mean you'll have a hundred little experiences of stress like that that are dumb in retrospect. But when you do it the first time, it's like, Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. I I do remember that. Oh, I can tell you the first invoice I ever sent out. It probably took me like four hours to make the invoice. Just like doing the template and doing all this layout stuff. And like the dude I was invoicing was like, Hey, here's the software I use for this. It's like dirt cheap. What are you doing, bro? He's a good friend of mine, but he was like, he, he, noticed how I did it. And he was, he was like, uh, don't do that. (laughs) So next you will have personal and professional life blending when you work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It is unavoidable. When you work for yourself, it's a lot more difficult to disconnect and stop thinking about work. And you will often find that business opportunities present themselves in social situations. And it can become very, very easy to overwork yourself. It's one of those things. It's like, it, it reminds me of when we first started podcasting. You remember how we used to struggle and struggle to come up with episode ideas? Yeah. 
And now we just struggle to find one we like. Yeah. And now we have a backlog that if we came up with no new ideas, we'd have another six or seven years of episodes. We have so many ideas out there. And so it's kind of the opposite problem where it's like, all right, well, what do we do this time? Because, and these aren't like, oh, repeated stuff. It's, hey, these are all new ideas too. That's what happens is at first you struggle with not having enough and then you get rolling and you start learning how to network and how, like what works and what doesn't work. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a friend that, I mean, just the amount of, you know, he'll, he'll periodically send me stuff. He's like, look, these people need, like, you've got exactly the skill set for this. And he goes, I know you can double your income. And he sends me these and I'm like, why are you sending me this? It's like, because I'm already doing two of these because his pipeline works. You know, he's taught me a lot and I probably will eventually do that someday uh, and and go back to doing that. I kind of like where I am right now. So I'm not in a hurry, but it's something that, that you learn. Um, You know, the other thing is, is you, you also have the other end of this. You find that the added flexibility in your schedule means that you can handle personal tasks during what used to be the workday. And this is something people that work remote have to deal with too anyway, but now, it's a little bit worse when it's a business because it's like, well, I can make this decision and I can make up for it, right? There's no boss cracking the whip on when I'm supposed to be there necessarily. It can be really helpful when you do this sparingly, but it's really easy to overdo. And what ends up happening is you you end up with really bad financial problems or angry clients. Either you don't get work done or you're not keeping the pipe filled. And you're like, well, I can catch up on that. Not that I've ever seen that problem before. Because you can't uh, really. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picking on Will for a for a typo in the outline. Man, the keyboard on my on my tablet sticks and double and like it drives me up the wall. It's funny because it it happens every now and then. Now, because you can't really blame someone else when your business is not doing well, you start to identify the health of the business as being a reflection of your own value. And this can be very dangerous. This is the sort of thing that you think about late at night while you're trying to fall asleep. This is the sort of thing that you can feel down on yourself when it has nothing to do with you. It may just be, you know, we're going into a recession. Yeah. (laughs) Or a depression. But yeah. Well, yeah. Well. An apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is, bro. So. Now, the final thing we're going to talk about here, one that probably doesn't bother Will as much, but bothers me quite a bit. It bothered me a lot, actually. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not, well, I'm not surprised. That tells you how bad it actually is, uh, considering. And that is isolation. Because unless you make a conscious effort to meet your friends for dinner, to network with other like-minded individuals, you're going to find yourself becoming increasingly isolated. And this is compounded if your social network consists largely of people who are not self-employed because a lot of them just can't relate to what's going on in your life. Yeah. They have unrealistic expectations too. That's like, oh, we can go do this all day on Saturday. And you're like, dude, Saturday's when I do all my paperwork and all the crap that, because you're probably working a lot more hours than you think, or you've just, you've got stuff going on or you've, you've got to have actual downtime because you're around people all week. And people that are not self-employed just really don't understand. Yeah. I mean, even with the work from home, because I started working from home 
back before COVID. I mean, you were too, but I happened to write a book on it, as it were, as an outgoing extrovert. It started off, I, I was told initially, oh yeah, you can still come into the office. I'm like, all right, cool. And then they decided to restructure our office to a more open office plan. And so for like what was supposed to be a month turned into six months of not being able to physically come into the office because they were still working on it. Yeah. You know, six months is five or six months. So I got like a, hey, you're home and had to learn how to deal with that. For me now, every day I go to the gym and I socialize there a little bit. You know, I work out and socialize. I know all the people who work there and several of the regulars who go there every day. And so it's it's fun. If I miss a day, they know. They'll say, like, hey, I missed you yesterday. And a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, I went hiking instead, or I, you know, I had to go into town, so I went to the other gym, you know, that sort of stuff. But they'll say stuff and it's nice. It's good to do that. I also like for me, I've really connected at my church. And, you know, have built a social network around that and doing a lot of stuff through them and some volunteer stuff. But, you know, before that, it was meetup groups. And you kind of like, you have to find the thing that's going to work for you. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I will will point out, you do really want to have some people in your social circle who are self-employed. Because, like, I mean, I've just had conversations with people and the degree of ignorance that a lot of them have. Yeah, you make a crap ton of money, but you have a lot of expenses. You have a lot of risk. You have a lot of extra time in stuff. And the things that you have to worry about, they they don't get why it's a problem. And the stuff where you're like, oh, this is a really cool opportunity. They don't see that either. Either that or they go, hey, I've got this really great opportunity for you. Oh, Lord. And you're like, no, I can tell you from experience. No, that's not a good idea. And here's why. I'd rather eat a whole pine cone backwards. Like the ideas that they come out of left field. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I had an experience like this with a friend. It's been a month or two, I guess. You know, going to a ball game, that, that's fine. And the conversation was all around, you know, football, right? And I don't care that much about football. I mean, I'll go watch a game. I like, I enjoy, I actually kind of enjoy the crowd, to be 100% honest, which is weird for me, you know, because they get all hyped up. But, like knowing all the stats, knowing who these people are that are playing, like I can't relate to that in a conversation. Like I have nothing to offer in that conversation. And I kind of feel like when you're self-employed, most of the people you're around are in that, that role. They don't care or know anything about what you're doing. And so it's, it's really hard to, to have a good rapport with them, you know, on those subjects. I mean, you might still be friends in other places, but like, if you don't have the friends that covered that, you're alone. And you're alone if you're in a crowd. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because you're probably working for a limited time on a limited scope of work instead of a regular job, it's also a lot more difficult to form lasting friendships with you know potential coworkers and management. So you have to be intentional about this. And there are some people who are find it easier to make friends quickly. And there are some people who really do have to be very intentional about, hey, I'm going to put the effort in to be your friend. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, is when you know, hey, I'm gone in six months, right? Like people don't form relationships when they know that. And I will tell you, you absolutely should because those people move around and that might be the person that gets you into the next gig. I've got one friend that, what is it? He's hired me. I've hired him. 
we've both gotten hired at the same time. Like we bumped into each other at like three different gigs now. And, you know, if there's something that needs the other one, the suggestion gets made. And, you know, it's just, we've worked together and, you know, he was actually my boss in the previous first gig I worked with him at. But like, you need to kind of, you really have to be intentional about that because it will fall apart. Like you won't have those connections. And you talk about something that feels lonely. It's like, hey, everybody I'm around is gone in six months. That's like dementia patient loneliness. Like that, that is not something you want in your life. And the other thing too, is when you're not an employee, you get left out of a lot of team building exercises, a lot of stuff that they do for employees to you know build the team camaraderie and you don't get the rapport building. In fact, you're kind of, by not being involved in that, you're marked as an outsider. And this can lead to a lot of feelings of isolation, especially when coupled with your social network, not understanding why you're stressed. Like this one, seriously, I'm pretty introverted. I don't overly love large numbers of people. Um, I like quiet and peace in my own little space. And this is something that got to me. So it is bad. Where it's bugging me, it's probably going to bug you unless you're just more introverted than me. And that's, that's not a very thick slice of the population, I don't think. No, no, it's not. But they may not think to include you, but you can, you can still get yourself included in things. Yeah, or you can start things on your own. Yeah, that's what, what I've done too, is, is stuff like that. Well, like if you're going into a client's place and you're doing specialized SQL Server work, what happens if you just say, hey, I'd like to do a lunch and learn for employees and show them some stuff? Like do it for free? Holy crap, you talk about a networking event, you're the center of the room and everybody's happy that you're doing it. Especially management because they're not having to pay for it. Well, and those other employees remember that you taught them something. Yeah. When they go somewhere else and they need that guy. Mm-hmm. That's true. So guys, being self-employed is a huge step towards financial freedom, security, all the stuff you want. It can seriously improve the quality of your life over the long term. But it does have its downsides that you need to mitigate and you need to have a strategy for mitigating. We do highly recommend doing this at some point as long as you're prepared for it and you have the, you know, the appropriate personality for it. Too often, though, people have a really rose-tinted view of what self-employment means, and they very quickly get discouraged when they find out that it's not what they thought it would be. It's still great, but there's downsides that they didn't see, and that's not something they can deal with. So if you want to do this, be prepared and think about the issues we've raised. If you handle them well, it can work for you, but if you do not, it will cause you to fail. That pretty much wraps us up. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.